Today, I want to begin with gratitude. Gratitude is a spiritual practice I strive to live out daily, and today there are so many reasons to be grateful. It is my first Sunday to preach from this revered pulpit with the chance to make eye contact with people in the pews. Now, preaching is a vulnerable, awkward, risky adventure, and I am grateful that you saints made the trip downtown to be here. We're all a little rusty about worshiping in this space. So if you feel moved to laugh, let it loose. If you feel the need to nap, go ahead, rest your eyes, and call it prayer. You won't be the first or the last to seek slumber in this sanctuary. And if you are watching online, then I want you to know that you have a spot on my gratitude list, too. What I'm saying is, I'm grateful you all are here. And I'm grateful that we get to welcome Grant Helmers to his first Sunday on staff at the Oregon bench today. Stirring music is a distinguished tradition here at Second. And we give thanks that Grant has joined us to share his gifts and talents, working with Jeff and the Spirit to enhance worship for us all with guests like David Garcia. I'm also grateful that my family is here. I grew up as a preacher's kid, who got to listen to my parents preach week to week, and so it is holy style humor that now I have the privilege to step into a pulpit and surprise them with a reference during a sermon. <laughs> now, I don't know what is on your gratitude list today, but I hope you have plenty of reasons to be thankful to. Our gospel story for today flows with reasons to be grateful. The night meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus is likely familiar. If it doesn't ring a bell, then I expect you've heard of John 3.16 before. This verse known as the gospel in a nutshell, is the verse quoted most often from the New Testament. John 3.16 is familiar beyond VBS and Sunday school thanks to billboards, Tim Tebow, Rainbow Man, Stone Cold Steve Austin, In-N-Out Burger Cups, and Forever 21 Bags. At its core... John 3.16 is God's love story. So, beloved, I hope you will listen to this story from the Gospel of John with fresh ears. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time in the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a remarkable story. Nicodemus and Jesus banter back and forth, as scholars like to do. It's a familiar story, and it's complex, too. You may find yourselves confused after listening to this tennis match of a conversation, layered with questions and metaphors and mystery. And if you're puzzled, you're in good company so is Nicodemus. With each declaration, Jesus offers Nicodemus volleys back with questions and a furrowed brow. As the conversation flows, it's clear Nicodemus isn't picking up what Jesus is putting down. Nicodemus is a religious scholar and recognized leader, and he meets Jesus bringing clarity He understands that Jesus is a teacher of God and that God is working through him. Nicodemus starts their conversation stating 
that the signs Jesus has done indicate that God is present with and through him. Nicodemus states what he sees and what he knows. But Jesus doesn't simply accept his respect. He moves the conversation in a totally different direction. Jesus meets the certainty of Nicodemus with metaphors that are difficult to follow and the mystery of the Spirit that is hard to fathom fully. Now, the Greek adds complexity to comprehend just what Jesus is saying when he speaks of rebirth. Francis Taylor Ginch writes, Part of the difficulty is that the Greek word anathan conveys two different meanings simultaneously, born anew and born from above. It is impossible to capture both the temporal, born anew, and the spatial, born from above, dimensions of anathan with any single word in the English language. So it's no wonder that Nicodemus questions what Jesus is saying. Even today, scholars suggest different ways to interpret what it means to be born of water and spirit. Could Jesus be referring to the water that breaks and alerts a pregnant mother she is entering labor? Or the water of baptism that welcomes the faithful to a new life and a new faith family? Could water and spirit refer to one and the same thing, since water in the Gospel of John can be a symbol of the Spirit? Jesus matches the certainty of Nicodemus with complexity, and he closes with the audacity of God's love. Nicodemus arrives with a clear sense of how God is working through Jesus. And Jesus offers a radically different view of how he is fulfilling God's love story for and in the world. Now, like Nicodemus, we are familiar with uncertainty and the need to adapt what we've known before. Living during a pandemic requires flexibility and openness to change. The worship council and staff continue to discern the safest, most caring way to gather for worship and share life together. Our patterns as a church family may change when and when we don't wear masks, for example, but we strive to hold on to the same purpose, to love God and love our neighbors. We continue to discern how to live into God's never-ending love story. And today, the Moving Forward Together Task Force invites our church family to talk about new views in this space a new way to tell our story and honor our former leaders. We are discerning new ways to honor this sacred sanctuary. Can we adapt 
to make this space all about God, to focus on God's work here and honor and remember the labor of our former leadership with gratitude elsewhere in this beautiful building. Like Nicodemus, many of us may be asking, how is it possible? How can we honor those who have led us to this moment by relocating commemorative tablets and plaques? Well, I hope our conversation today and tomorrow will be less perplexing than the dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. I hope we ground ourselves in God's love as we listen, discern, and speak. And I hope we listen to Jesus in light of our discernment. The wind blows where it chooses. The Spirit moves with her own wonder and whimsy. And as a church family, how are we listening for and watching for the Holy Spirit? Are we paying attention to how the Spirit is moving within us? And for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, not for judgment, but for eternal life. How can we tell our story so that God's love makes our life together fuller? How can our story as a downtown church unfold to shine God's light and spread God's love? We may need to ground ourselves in God's love story and listen for the Spirit to move within us. Like Nicodemus, we may be surprised by God's love for the whole world. And that means everybody in the past, in the present, and in the future. And how the Spirit brings change from what we have seen and known. Now Nicodemus fades from the discussion in the darkness of night. We don't know how he responded to Jesus and his description of God's love for the world. We don't know what he said to his buddies over lunch the next day or to neighbors in the market when Jesus came up. And we don't know how the story of our church will be told when the congregation celebrates 225 years of ministry. We can't predict exactly how the Spirit is at work. Yet, I trust and believe that God's love is still the main plot line of the story, of our story as a church. We seek to be a part of God's great love story. And so we ask questions like Nicodemus, and we are ready for surprising responses. God's love story may call us to adapt, change our minds, grow and take risks as part of the journey to be more faithful. To be born anew, we are open to God's spirit, open to God doing new things, open to God's unfolding purposes of love 
inclusion, grace, and justice. We believe the radical love Jesus describes for Nicodemus is still changing lives today. Such love may still surprise us. So may the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the hope of the Spirit guide us as we write our story. For such abundant love is worthy of gratitude indeed. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, you have moved within these walls for generations. You have shaped Christ's church and send saints out to love and serve. Move in and through us today, we pray. Help us breathe in hope and breathe out love. Guide us by the love of the Creator and the life of the Redeemer. And meet us at the table. Nourish us and send us out to love again. With gratitude we pray. Amen.